I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. I have a special guest with us today. I'm currently in Poland, but she's in Tel Aviv. Yifa Sigal is the founder and former CEO of the International Legal Forum. She's an expert in security and international relations. She's also the former chief of staff of the Israeli ambassador to the U.S. Welcome, Yifa. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me. So um, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's do current events real quick. What's happening on the ground? I was just there, but uh, things have changed radically. The, the, the war is moving into the South. Give us an update. Yeah. Um, well, we've had about a week of, uh, of a ceasefire. Um, Israel has tried to, um, you know, to get as many hostages out as possible. Uh, the mm -hmm. first round was meant to, uh, to focus on the women and children, the mothers and the children. Mm -hmm. um, most children were um, saved and are, are, you know, safe in Israel. Of course, there will be a long recovery process physically and of course, emotionally for- Emotionally, yeah. Yeah, for all of them. Um, sadly, um, Hamas broke the deal as we expected it to do. Um, mm -hmm. Did not release all the all these mothers and the children, the two babies, uh, everyone, I think there became a symbol, the two redhead babies of the mm -hmm. Bibas family um, mm -hmm. were not released. Uh, Hamas mm -hmm. claims that they don't know where they are, and then they claim mm -hmm. that they died. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, nothing is credible. Nothing they say is credible. So we don't know if it's true, if they are really, you know, if they were killed by Hamas uh, or anyone else of, uh, you know, the angry mob in, in, in the Gaza Strip. Maybe they, Hamas, think that they become, became too much of a symbol. Uh, yeah. Therefore, you know, for psychological warfare reasons, are reluctant to release the, the, those two babies um you know it's it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm guessing obviously we don't mm -hmm. know and there's no way to really you know go into the mind the evil minds of these people uh, but unfortunately they broke the deal they also fired shots and, and rockets in some places and uh and refused to um to continue with uh, you know additional uh mothers and as i said uh, two babies mm -hmm. uh so sadly we would we had to um resume fighting um we still have you know our two main goals which is to take down hamas um, militarily and also, um, you know, their ruling position, let's say, in, in the Gaza Strip. And of course, to retrieve all of our hostages. And I just want to remind everybody that we have uh, four more hostages being held in uh, Gaza for almost 10 years now. 
mm. um, you know, two living citizens and and uh, and and two uh, bo dead bodies of uh, of, of beloved uh, IDF soldiers, and uh, everyone's waiting here in Israel for the day of their return. So um, mm. you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, also, in safeguarding the future of, and safety of Israel and everybody in the region. So uh, I read today that um, you know, well, the, the whole the whole conflict is really moving to the south of Gaza, and Egypt is a big issue there. Talk to us about what Israel would like to see from Egypt. So look, I mean, the the Israeli government officially is in a tenuous uh, position, right? I mean, uh, we do rely on on Egypt now. Um, Egypt is one of the mediators, and you know, with the hostages crisis and some other humanitarian issues as well. The other is Qatar, which we don't trust entirely. Don't trust, um, mm -hmm. and and so there's a problem of officially, you know, calling uh, out the Egyptian government for their reluctancy to allow. You know, Gazan refugees to uh, to enter the Sinai, and the the reasoning that they I mean I'm not Israeli government anymore, so I can say whatever yeah. I want, and so I'm, yeah. I'm you know I'm looking at the governments of the world, especially allied, um, you know our allies, and and I, I and I I've been wondering for for weeks now, for eight weeks now, why have we not seen more pressure coming out of these governments, um, you know, applying pressure on the Egyptian government, saying you know it's it will be. Uh, um, you know, a better solution for the humanitarian crisis that you keep, you know, crying and shouting about uh, that we all want to see resolved if you just allow people into the Sinai and receive, you know, safely and securely their uh, humanitarian aid without the risk of, of these, uh, you know, uh, materials or equipment to be taken by Hamas and exploited by Hamas, as we've seen and we know is happening all the time. Uh, so people are unfortunately, you know, are forced to kind of crowd in the south and, and, and now less and less uh, areas. And so it would obviously be such, I don't know, I wouldn't say ideal because it's war and it's not ideal, but it would be a much better uh, solution for everybody. Also for the, as I said, the safety of the Gazans and, and the safety of the IDF uh, soldiers going in uh, if, if people are allowed into the Sinai. So if, if uh, Egypt has concerns about, you know, the infiltration of terrorists, and, uh, you know, in, in, insightful mobs, as we know, the Gazans uh, mostly are into the uh, into the into Egypt. And I, I'm sure that's their primary concern. Uh, mm -hmm. Then, you know, there are solutions for that as well. I mean, you can set up a camp uh, restricted, right, you know, to forbid access from it. The Sinai is huge. It's a huge empty desert. Uh, there's enough space there and you uh, you can construct uh and, and put whatever measures you need in, in place to, to, to prevent that from happening. And so, you know, I want to use this stage, if you don't mind, Todd, and just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to call out to, you know, to colleagues and to leaders uh, across the world. I mean, if you really, if you, what you really care about is the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, that's the one thing that you should focus on. Because that's, that's a solution. That's, a, of course, a temporary solution, but it's a solution uh, um, as, as long as we are in this war, uh, and the war will not end until Hamas surrenders. Of course, that's another message that, you know, I would like to see people, you know, standing on international stages and saying, you know, Hamas must surrender. Uh, there's no other ending to this uh, war. And so, yeah. So that would be like a safety valve in the South uh, for, for the time being, to allow the refugees to get some humanitarian aid and get away from the fighting, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. And don't forget, I mean, we know, we, uh, we, we understand that, you know, as, as, uh, as the Israeli military is uh, progressing into Gaza, then Hamas is also 
working, you know, within those populated areas that have not yet been attacked or evacuated. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the equation here is very clear, and we all know the cynical use uh, that Hamas is doing with uh, its own population, using them as, as human shields. So you're preventing that advantage, quote unquote, you know, that cynical use by Hamas, mm -hmm. by allowing these people to, to be away from their grip, from, from being exploited this way. And so it's uh, it's every it's everything that everyone keeps saying that they want is 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 to save mm -hmm. civilian lives, is to allow uh, you know Israel to uh, to achieve its military goals in Gaza. And so there's one smart, best, safest way to do it. And so I don't understand why we're not hearing these voices calling out to Egypt. So BB today said that they're going to continue the war and continue to destroy Hamas. And uh, you're getting some pushback from the White House and other parts of the world. What, what do you, what does the Israeli government, do you think, thinks, think about that? Or how do they react to it? Look, um, we understand the reality of politics. Um, mm -hmm. Usually we are on the wrong side of uh, populist agendas throughout the world. Uh, mm -hmm. we've, we've, we've grown accustomed to that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So look, I mean, the United States has been an amazing friend to, to us since this uh, started. I mean, I, I, I really want to make that clear. Um, mm -hmm. we've, we, we've, we got, you know, a, a greater support than ever in the past, I think, uh, as, mm. at least as far back as I can remember. Um, so that's great. But I understand that there are voices uh, from within, you know, uh, democratic uh, crowds or certain segments of, mm -hmm. of, of democratic supporters in the United States that don't understand, you know, the real picture of what is uh, going on or they don't connect the dots and they don't understand why it's essential, um, you know, for Hamas to uh, be taking out at, at this moment in time, um, not just for the safety of Israel, by the way, or even the safety of the Palestinians themselves, which have to endure such a, an oppressive violence and violent rule but also for the safety of the entire region and then the stability of the entire world. Because when we say where the West is next, we're not kidding. It's not just a slogan. Um, you know, you, all you have to do is look at what goes on in, you know, on college campuses or in town squares all over the West since the war yes. uh, started. Um, so, I, so, yeah, so uh, realistically, we understand that there's pressure on the, on the American administration. We understand that, you know, it's election year now it's just, it's, it has just now started. Mm -hmm. uh, we understand it's complicated. Uh, we think that, bottom line, we are still very much aligned with the administration, although, you know, you, you keep hearing these things. And again, I think, that, you know, if, 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 if this administration would just apply more pressure to the Egyptian government, then, you know, all these um, um, arguments um, having to do with uh, the humanitarian crisis, whatever it is, would, you know, we would just fix that. Um, it would be much easier for, even for them to deal with, with these arguments domestically and with their own constituency. So again, I'm just, you know, I'm sitting wondering why this has not become like a, a central message by the administration by now. Well, I think there's forces around the world that want the Palestinian issue to survive and to use it as a, as a bargaining chip. So maybe that's part of the answer. How, how long is, is Israel prepared, prepared for a long war, you think? At this point yeah i think we are ready for a long war i mean it's uh mm -hmm. again our eyes uh, is always on the north mm -hmm. uh and and the east you know honestly mm -hmm. i mean we've mm -hmm. and and south i mean we've seen rockets and 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 uh and drones coming from yemen 
Uh, you know, ships have been attacked in the Red Sea. And of mm -hmm. course, we have the militias, the Iranian-backed militias in, in Syria, and of course, Hezbollah in, uh, in Lebanon, which is probably the greatest threat militarily. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, you have the, uh, you know, a bunch of terrorist organizations, very armed terrorist organizations operating in the, uh, in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria. And so we're ready. I mean, we understand that this, this right now might only be a preview to, uh, you know, uh, to what can mm -hmm. possibly happen in the, in the next few months. Um, we are on one hand concerned about that, but on the other hand, very determined um, mm -hmm. to perhaps this would be an opportunity for really for a new Middle East and, and not just as a slogan by, you know, uh, <laughs> where people are detached from reality. But really, if you uh, if, if, if we take out all of these, uh, we, we're sending a very strong message message. And I believe that, you know, the Sunni yeah. states um, are friends in, uh, in the UAE and in Bahrain and in other possibly Saudi Arabia, even though they're not saying that publicly, mm -hmm. that's what they want to see. I mean, we can mm -hmm. hear it when we talk to them privately. That's what they want to see. This is a threat to them, um, ideologically, militarily. I mean, the Saudis and, and, and Emiratis have been dealing with the Houthis for three years, unsuccessfully. Um, Iran, of course, is a major threat to everybody. Um, so perhaps, you know, although the damage and, 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 and the scope of, you know, possible casualties here would be you know, extremely painful. Perhaps it's an opportunity to to do something that will change the way we live our lives here in the Middle East. I spoke to General Brigadier uh, General Cooperwasser, Yossi Cooperwasser, who mentioned that yeah. the North may have to be a military solution at some point. Um, so Israel is preparing for that. If it has to happen, is that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think at this point it's not a question of if; it's a question of when. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, I mean, what we've seen coming out of the Gaza on October 7th can can, can and, and is very likely to happen at some point if we allow it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, from Hezbollah. And uh, now that our eyes are, are open to this type of threat, we can't we can't just, you know, live, um, have communities live on that border and uh, and just forget about it and go on our business. I mean, we must understand, the, you know, the the potential threat. And, and prepare for it. And so it's, I, I really believe it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. I need to ask you this because I'm asking everybody. There, more information came out this week that uh, the, the plan for this was known about a year but in advance to some sectors. Why do you think that was, uh, why do you think the way things turned out the way they did? Look, it's, um, I, uh, I'll tell you, I've, uh, in the entire history of uh, terrorist organizations, uh -huh. I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of any scenario when an army of terrorists, 3,000 terrorists, like an army of terrorists invaded a country in a coordinated attack. This yeah. has never happened in the past. This is a scenario that no one took in, into account, really. It's, it's, it's not for, for us saying it's impossible. It's not even something that I think anyone ever considered. Um, so our entire, um, you know, the, the whole preparation, you know, from intelligence, but also physically on the ground was not, was not suitable for such mm -hmm. a, such a huge, you know, coordinated attack. I mean, the, the, just the amount of, of, of people and weapons on the ground were insufficient to, uh, mm -hmm. to really stop it and, and especially prevent it, but also stop it, uh, in the, you know, in the first, um, hours. 
So, um, and yes, and I think that affects everything. I mean, the way that you think would, uh, you know, would cloud your judgment, even if you look at intelligent uh, materials and you don't put one and one, two and two together, you just don't consider it as, it doesn't even cross your mind as an option. So I think it's, uh, you know, we failed on multiple levels, obviously, and there's a lot to learn from this. I mean, I can understand, again, as myself being, you know, may have been a few years now, but uh, I've been a soldier in the IDF myself. I know, mm -hmm. you know, what, how, uh, in what way we think, you know, to prepare against terrorist attacks. And that's not mm -hmm. even close to, uh, to being prepared for the October 7th attack. And uh, I'm very confident that, confident that we'll never see something like this again. We will be ready hundred, 120%. I mean, if God forbid, uh, Hezbollah is planning something in the south, in the north, or or mm -hmm. one of the terrorist organizations plan to come and invade from the east. You know, we're ready. We're ready this time. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want uh, people to know in the west? Yes, I. Uh, it's a. Uh, there was a visit by the uh, by the prosecutor of the International Criminal Court to Israel mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, and uh, it's funny how, you know, there's a complete, diff you know, there's a big difference between the way it was covered in the Israeli media and how it was covered by, let's say, Reuters. Mm -hmm. And so in, in my experienced eyes dealing with these international institutions, I saw what I expected to see, like what they, they, they think is a, is a, you know, like a balanced approach, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, then you see the Reuters uh, piece. And they go on and on about both sides need to uh, respect international law and both sides need to this and that. And Israel must not keep uh, humanitarian supplies from reaching Gaza and all kinds of stuff like that. And of course, also in that, you, you hear some criticism about the massacre of October 7th. Mm -hmm. And so I would just like to say, I mean, if there was ever a proof that this is a political entity, um, mm -hmm. you know, when, you, when, when a prosecutor comes to Israel, and 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 objectively would have ex objectively examined what you know you you saw yourself i think todd right you were here mm -hmm. and you were in the south mm -hmm. there's no room for this moral equivalency and this is the message this is the underlining message of what you know came out of his visit so i would just like to uh you know to remind everybody that unfortunately this is not like an institution of justice that we can all hope um you know would now deal with the bad guys and reward the good guys I mean, uh, what will happen, I believe, if they decide to do anything, is that they might try to go after some Hamas leaders, but also at the same time, if they will go after Hamas leaders, we will see them also go after Israeli uh, leaders at the same time. That's a catastrophe. Yeah. That's a yeah. catastrophe. Yeah. So I, I just want to remind everybody what, uh, you know, what the inter international system has become. And, it's very uh, broken, very broken. Very broken, yeah. very, mm. very broken, indeed. Yeah. Yifa, how do people follow you? Are you on social media at all? Or, or how can they follow uh, what you're putting out? Or you're not really, I guess. No, I'm not <laughs> such a social media person. I have a Facebook uh -huh. account which uh, tells you how old I am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but they can, I'm happy to, to get uh, messages on my Facebook account or my email if you want. You okay. can give it to your viewers. And if there are any questions or, or requests okay. or anything, I'm happy to be there for them. Yeah. You know, Yifa, thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Todd. All Take right. Care.